other, and it just becomes kind of convoluted. Uh, and so it's just a strange passage. It's certainly the least familiar I am statement, uh, I think, for me and probably for most of us. It's just not something that we talk about. I am the gate. We hear these other phrases often in church. I am the you know, the, the light of the world, I'm the bread of life. We use these, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We use these kind of phrases often. We don't usually talk about Jesus as the gate. Uh, and so it was unfamiliar to me. Uh, and, and so, so what, I, what I started out doing was I just I took a piece of paper as, in, at first read, and I just wrote down a bunch of questions. Uh, what does this mean? What, what's this? What's that? What does this mean in, in, in light of what, what that might mean? And I, I had about eight questions to start out with on the sheet of paper. And, and really, my sermon preparation has been trying to answer my own questions. Uh, I have about eight questions. I'm trying to figure out what the answers to my own questions are. Uh, so I'm going to talk about five of those questions this morning. Uh, and, and hopefully by the end, we'll have some clarity. So... Uh, so we'll be in John chapter 10. It will be on the screen, but you also can follow along in, in your pew Bible if you would like. Uh, John chapter 10, starting with verse 1. Uh, okay. Uh, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow behind him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Surprise, surprise. I I didn't either. Uh, Verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Uh, And then this infamous uh, verse, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Okay, so uh, you probably get a little sense of why I was originally confused. It's a confusing passage. It's it's a strange passage. So let's unpack it a, a little bit. All right, question number one, really briefly. I, I, just, I want to tackle this first question really briefly. I would, the first question is, what's the sheep pen? What's the sheep? You know, we've got to think about the, the metaphor. Uh, you, have to, you, almost, you almost should like draw it out on, on a piece of paper, right? You have, to, you have to kind of imagine there's some sort of pen uh, for the sheep, and there's a gate, uh, but it seems like uh, some things or people, someone who Jesus is calling the thieves and the robbers are coming in, a wrong way, and then there's a right way to, to come in, uh, and, and then there's people coming and going. But, but first and foremost, there's a pen. So what the heck is Jesus talking about when he's talking about this sheep pen? What, what does he mean? Now you have to remember who he's speaking to. He's speaking to the Pharisees, right? He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to religious people. He's critiquing religious people here, uh, people who are already in they're already 
part of the group. They're well-educated, they're powerful, they're in leadership, they're part of the gang, right? He's kind of talking to one of his own uh, in, in critiquing them. He's kind of critiquing his own in some way. So as we're trying to figure out what this thing is that you can either enter properly or climb into improperly, it seems to me that the pen is religion. It's the collection of religious people. For them, for the Pharisees, it's their group and it's their place. So we're talking, as far as religion, we're talking about a group of people, Pharisees, Sadducees, however you want to talk about religious people, and we're talking about a place, their synagogue. For us, we would talk about it in terms of a faith community and church buildings. What's our pen? It's religion, but it's, it's our faith community, uh, and it's our, our church buildings, which those things, uh, our church essentially, can become little religious cliques, country clubs of sort, if we fail to enter and participate in the right way. And we'll, we'll keep unpacking this as the sermon goes on. But I think as we, if we, uh, it's possible to climb in the wrong way. Uh, and these, this religion, these religious uh, clubs, uh, uh, if, if we don't enter in the right way, can, can be really harmful. So that's what Jesus is warning us about. So in short, the pen, the sheep pen, is church. You're sitting in it right now. Right? We're all kind of standing in the pen Right now. Okay, question number two. Uh, and, and this is where, even this morning, I found myself kind of thinking, I don't know what the heck I'm doing here. But this is question number two. Uh, who are the thieves and the robbers? Uh, I think we need to unpack who are the thieves and robbers. Uh, so again, you think about the setting. There's this fenced-off area. The, the pen is this place of safety and security for the sheep. And, and then there, there's a gate to enter and exit. But it seems like it's possible to enter this pen. It's possible to enter the church through other ways. Uh, and, and so I would say that anyone who's not entering through the gate is probably there for dishonest and harmful reasons, right? It seems like that's what Jesus is alluding to, that if, you're not, if you don't come through the gate, you're probably there, you're probably coming in for dishonest and harmful reasons. And so Jesus uses this metaphor to help us think about our faith and our faith communities. All right, so who are the thieves and the robbers? Uh, there's a commentator named Dale Bruner. He, he talks about these people as rip-off artists, the, the thieves and the robbers are rip-off ar- artists. He calls them the other wayers. If there's a certain way that you should come into the pen, then anyone who's coming in from any other way, they're the other wayers. Uh, so who are, are the other wayers? Now, now, I think... Uh, there's, a, there's kind of a big picture, cosmic way of thinking about this, uh, where we would say, and I think it especially comes from verse 10, where Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. When I hear that verse, I, I've almost always thought, well, the thief is Satan, right? The, the thief is Satan. And I think there's some truth to that, that Satan can come in through the other wayers. He can actually be here in our midst uh, evil can be here in our midst and can be tempting us and trying us and trying to get us uh, distracted and unfocused from what's happening and from worship. Satan can kind of crawl into the pen from all different ways. Uh, he can be the, the rip-off artist 
uh, that's kind of conning us away from what God would have for us. But I think there's a really earthly way of thinking about uh, the other wares, who are these, these thieves and robbers. And I think it's religious people. I think the thieves and robbers can be religious people. But there's categories for thinking about those religious people. Not all religious people are, are these other wares, are the rip-off artists, but some can. Sometimes we can be the other wares. Sometimes we can be the thieves. There, there's religious people that are so overzealous that they neglect the very things that they are meant to be zealous about. Right? We've, we've probably all known these people, and we've probably all been these people at various times in our faith lives, where we get so focused on religion that we get caught up, on, uh, uh, we, we, we get caught up in it and we kind of miss the point of what religion is supposed to direct us to. Right? I'm so, that's my pew and you should get out of it, or, or the, this is the way that things have always been, this is the way that we do things, this is what I do on Sunday mornings, I show up and I go through this rhythm and this routine, uh, and I get so caught up in the rules and rhythms that I'm devoid of devotion. Uh, no longer am I devoted to the one in whom religion is supposed to channel us toward, I'm kind of caught up in something else, and it's distracting me from what's really important. We can get so wrapped up in the way things have always been or they're supposed to be that, that we miss out. We, we lose the spirit of worship and hospitality and love that's supposed to be present when we gather. I think in those moments we become thieves and robbers in those moments of religiosity. Uh, or religious people, it, it could be the sense uh, that, that it's people that are just going through the motions. Maybe, maybe at times we become religious people, thieves and robbers, who are just going through the motions. Our heart isn't in it. We're just kind of keeping the status quo. We're just going to church because that's what you do on Sunday and that's what we've done our entire lives. But our heart's not there uh, and we've crawled into the pen through other ways. We haven't come through the one proper gate. Uh, or, or maybe we can talk religious uh, people in terms of spiritual or religious leaders. There, there's people like me in this role that only practice their faith because they get paid for it. Their heart's not really in it. It's just a job at, at this point. Uh, or, or maybe they only stay in the ministry because they have nothing else that they can do. I don't know what other job I do. I'd have to go back to school. So I guess I'll just tough it out. Even though my heart's not in it, I don't really care about this. Uh, and I'm not really sold out for my faith. Uh, I, I, but I'm, I'm kind of stuck. Or maybe they only got into this gig because they love Jesus, but they didn't really know what other job that they could do. I remember thinking that about some folks in my undergrad, theology majors uh, in, in college, where... They loved Jesus. I could tell that they did, but it was like they didn't have any other noticeable skills or didn't have any kind of vocational calling, and so it's like, well, I guess I'll just study theology. I guess I'll just be a pastor. And, and those kind of people, I watched them burn out. They didn't last because they weren't meant to be doing that. I even saw it in seminary where there were people that they were, they were trying to deal with baggage or they were trying to... They were trying to uh, th their heart wasn't in the ministry, but, but they didn't know what else to do, so I don't know, I guess I'll just go to seminary because uh, it seems like the faithful thing to do. I think, I think all of us uh, can become 
uh, thieves and robbers at times. Uh, so the thieves and robbers uh, uh, can be religious people, the church, people who are here in the pews, behind the pulpit, leading the music, chairing the committees, singing the songs and praying the prayers, but show no evidence of actually following Jesus. Uh, it, it's possible to be a part of the fold without going through the right channels. It's possible to get in through other ways. It's possible to be a part of a church every week without fail, in leadership, on ministry teams, on staff, without actually caring about Jesus or following him with our lives. It's the story of the Pharisees. It's essentially what they were. They were so seriously religious and biblical and yet they didn't even notice the Messiah when he was right under their nose. Right? He, he was right there the whole time, healing blind people, performing miracles, teaching powerfully, right in their midst. And they missed it, because I think they were caught up with something else. They had entered the pen through some sort of false way, and I think that we, can, we do that too. They had their own agenda, they had their own causes that were more important than Jesus' agenda and Jesus' causes, and they missed the point entirely. And I think that we can all succumb to Pharisaism at times in our lives. And we see it with certain people, right? We see it with politicians who show up for church once, once every four years just for the photo op. We see it with, with pastors who, who love this job only because of the power and authority uh, and the captive audience that they have every Sunday morning. Uh, we see it with church members who hardly ever show up for church, but they just happen to show up on that day when the important church vote is taking place. Uh, but mostly, it's all of us who so easily show up on Sunday mornings to hear a message and sing God's praises and then walk out the door with no intention of actually living out our faith until next Sunday morning at 10.30. I think we all slip into those cracks at times where we've come in the wrong way. We're kind of thieves and robbers. It's really easy to do that, to be rip-off artists and other wares. I do it sometimes. You do it sometimes. We We all do that from time to time. Uh, okay, uh, question number three. Uh, and again, really briefly, like in a minute or two, uh, is what are they stealing? Right, so if, if these people are they're thieves and robbers, but what are they actually stealing? Who's being hurt in this process? I think it's worth exploring uh, really briefly. I would say that in short, they're stealing two things. I think when we succumb to this kind of mentality, I think that we are stealing two things. We're robbing from two things. I think that we're hurting God and we're hurting ourselves or we're hurting humanity. I think Jesus is the gate and wants to be the gate. He has saved us and wants to save us. And so to hang out in the pen by any other way than through Jesus is to steal honor and respect and relationship from Jesus. He actually wants us to be here for the right reasons. And so to be here for any other reason, to be here out of religious obligation, to be here because uh, I like the spotlight of being in leadership, or or, or to be here for, for any other reason than because I love Jesus and I want to enter through the gate that is Jesus, is robbing him of the relationship that he wants to have with his people. 
He loves hanging out with robbers and thieves. He loves eating together, walking and talking together, uh, showing them, showing us an immensity of grace. So for us to not come in through the right channel and allow him to have that relationship with us is robbing him of what he wants with his creation. Uh, And then finally, to sneak in uh, the back door without coming in through the gate, greeted by the loving embrace of Jesus, I think is to miss the whole point of this whole church thing. We're supposed to be encouraged. We're supposed to be strengthened. We're supposed to be together uh, under one agenda, the umbrella that is Jesus Christ. Uh, And so we rob one another of the community that we can have together. We're stealing from one another when we come in through the wrong channels and we're here for the wrong reasons. All right, Uh, question number four uh, is what what then does it mean to enter through the gate? And I think this is the most important question. It's the one that we've been kind of leading up to uh, throughout my time this morning. But what does it mean to enter through the gate? And Jesus really tackles this in verse 7. Uh, 7 through 9. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Okay, so first thing I want to say in regard to this question is that it appears that there are other things that will claim to be the gate. But they are not. All right? So it appears in reading this, this metaphor that there are other things that will claim to be the gate. There are other people. There are other things that, that will claim to be the one entrance that you should walk through. But they are not. There are people, leaders, groups, ideas, practices, substances, sins uh, that will claim to be the gate. But they are false. They're, they're saying things like, enter here for life and safety and salvation. Uh, but right out of the gate here in this metaphor, Jesus assures us that he is the one and only gate. The one true entrance into which we should walk. So, so if we're trying to enter into life and goodness and joy through any other way, uh, let this be a reminder that any other way but Jesus is phony and fake. It, it, it won't live up. It's an illusion that will always leave us unfulfilled and empty, searching for more. Any other gate that is promising us life, that is promising us joy, will always prove to be fake. It, it won't satisfy. It won't fulfill. Okay. And then, and then the main meaning of this. What, what does it mean to enter through the gate? Uh, well, and so verse 9 is so helpful. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So he starts by saying that they will be saved. Whoever enters through the gate will be saved. Literally, it, it reads, uh, whoever enters through the gate will be, ca- will be kept completely safe. I think it's this beautiful pastoral image of Jesus, right? We're talking about sheep. Uh, it's this, so it's this beautiful pastoral image of Jesus, the good shepherd, eternally protecting us, tending to us, welcoming us with loving arms, and cosmically keeping us from all harm. What does it mean to go through Jesus, the gate? Well, well it means 
eternal security. It means eternal safety and salvation. And he wants to rescue us. To enter through the gate is to be saved and to be safe. It's not free from all bad things. It's, it's not that life will be hunky-dory from now on. But it does mean that we, we will be held and comforted by the shepherd in the midst of all crisis and trauma. It, it means that he will tend to us and hold us safely uh, amidst any attack. To, to enter through the gate is to be saved. And, and then Jesus continues. He, he says that they will come in and go out, which is this beautiful Hebrew idiom for the freedom that God grants us in this earthly life. Uh, to, to enter through the gate is to experience the freedom of Christ. Jesus is the gate. He's not the drawbridge. He's not the moat. He's not the wall. He's not the fortress. He's the gate. Uh, and so there's freedom here. We have freedom in Christ to come and to, and to go. To be in the world and yet safely established in the kingdom. There's freedom to take risks and to fail. There's freedom to doubt and to question our faith. There's freedom to make mistakes and to receive grace. This isn't the dungeon of God or the fortress of God. There's freedom here. We can come and go knowing that Jesus will hold us fast even in the midst of our coming and our going. And then finally, all this results in what Jesus says, uh, finding pasture. Uh, It's finding life, according to John 10.10, right? Jesus came that he may bring life and life to the full, or life more more abundantly. Uh, Again, the, the commentator I mentioned earlier, Dale Bruner, he says that finding pasture summarizes both the vertical life with God, it, it talks about our salvation, and the horizontal life with God, our coming and going in the world, how we interact with all of creation. And, and so finding pasture means comprehensively the good life. I, I think that we're meant to picture pastoral images like Psalm 23. Right? We're, all, we're also familiar with, with that psalm, which talks about lacking nothing, about lying in green pastures. It talks about refreshment of soul, guidance along right paths, uh, comfort in the darkest valley. It talks about goodness and mercy, dwelling in the house of the Lord. These are all images of life. And, and so entering through the gate is a means to life. Uh, it, it, it's a comprehensive uh, way of life, a holistic way of life, where we have eternal life, salvational kind of life with God, and, and then there's a wholeness, a fullness, and abundance of life here in this world. So, so in a sentence, to enter through the gate is to reject all other fake gates, to embrace, to be embraced by Jesus, the one true gate, and to embrace the full abundant life that Jesus has come to provide. Okay, and then final question as we kind of wrap up. One, one last question I want to explore uh, as, we, as we come to a conclusion here. Which It, it takes us back to verse 2. If you're following along, uh, verse 2, it takes us back to verse 2, which, which is this, again, is this massive mixture of, of metaphors here. This is what Jesus says. Uh, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Uh, which is really confusing. We were just talking about 
the fact that the, it's the sheep who enter into the gate and then are in the sheep pen, but now we're suddenly talking about the sheep becoming shepherds. So Jesus is mixing these metaphors around, and it can be really confusing, but here's the question for us, uh, th- this final question. If entering through the gate leads to salvation, what does it mean that those who enter through the gate are shepherds of the sheep? What is this... What does this phrase mean in verse 2 if if the premise, the whole premise of this passage is that we're meant to enter into the salvational life that Jesus has come to bring us? Uh, So so one thought uh, from me, and I don't know if this is in the text, but it makes sense to me. So one kind of concluding thought from me. I would say this, as we learn to enter through the gate, Jesus, as we allow him to save us, And to keep us safe as we come and go freely, walking in the freedom of Christ. And as we exhibit and experience the full, abundant life of Christ. I think our lives will be so intriguing and enticing. Full of goodness and hope and love that we will naturally, organically, effortlessly shepherd other people back to the one true gate. I think as we learn to walk into the gate, to enter into the salvation life that Jesus has come to bring, and then as we come and go in the freedom of Christ, experiencing the fullness, the abundance of life that Jesus has come to bring us, I think that our lives will become so interesting. So intriguing, so enticing, so good, so beautiful, so welcoming, so, so generous, so hospitable that, that people will wonder, what, what do you have there? What, what, what is it about you that sets you apart? And I think we will naturally, organically, effortlessly become shepherds who help other sheep to find the one true gate that is Jesus. I think people will be curious. As we learn to live the good, beautiful life that Jesus has come to bring us, our lives will be so intriguing and enticing that people will want to know more and they will follow us to the one true gate. I honestly believe that. Our lives will preach sermons that we never need to speak. Uh, The grace and hospitality of Jesus emanating from our very being will be all the evangelism we ever need to do. We won't have to worry about what to say. We won't have to worry about the fact that I don't think of myself as an evangelist. It won't matter because your lives will be so intriguing, so enticing, that they will preach sermons that you don't have to have words for. Your, your life will preach. People will wonder about the pasture we have found, the life we have and exude, and we will unintentionally finding our, find ourselves shepherding new sheep to the gate. I I truly believe that. When you, when we, on a daily basis, are coming and going through the gate that is Jesus, fully centered on him and him alone, his agenda and, and his way alone, people will flock to this sort of life. They they will. So, may we be daily focused on coming and going through Jesus the gate. May the abundant life he provides emanate from within us. And may God grant us the opportunity to shepherd others back to the one true gate, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you that that you have welcomed us into the fold, that Jesus has been generous and hospitable, has opened uh, the gate for us to walk into the life of the ages, the life eternal, the good life. Uh, We thank you for the full, abundant life that Jesus has come to bring. And I pray that we would walk boldly through that gate this morning and every morning. Whether this is the first time we've done it or the millionth time that we've woken up as followers of you, I pray that we would never take that for granted. We would never become thieves and robbers that are hanging out in the pen through any other way but you. I pray that daily we would, we would wake up, step out of bed, and walk through the gate, ready to come and go uh, in the power of your Spirit, ready to come and go emanating the good life that you have come to provide. And, and I pray that you would bless us with people who will follow us to the one true gate, that you will make our lives so intriguing and enticing that people will wonder and be curious about the life that we have the life that we live, the life that we have found in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Okay, on the back of your bulletin.